Hi, everybody. The George Wilder. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Freedom. This is what I call freedom. Finest Internet Radio Show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, Block Talk Radio, broadcasting live. We're live, yeah. Out of the city of Chicago, and it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's beautiful where you are, even though I know all about the hurricanes. Harvey, Irma, and there's another one, and there's another one. I <laughs> can't remember all those names, but... um, um it's 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 with with Irma I'm thinking I'm hearing that it's partially over you know and that's a good thing but there's no doubt about it these hurricanes especially in the Caribbean around St Martin uh devastated that uh that region you know in the Caribbean some of those islands not all those islands were were as devastated or as damaged as St Martin from what I'm understanding but anyway, it, it's those, the hurricane thing is just, it was just awful, awful. Uh, some parts of Florida, damage, a lot of damage, but, you know, a lot of people wrote the storm out and they survived. You know, they wrote it out. Uh, even among um, people calling for everybody to evacuate, some people said they were going to go down with the ship, but the ship didn't go down. A lot of flooding, a lot of tree damage, some uh, flooding. Uh, um, a couple, a few roofs blew off her, a few houses, but nothing really devastating. Nothing like, uh, as I have posted, uh, Florida is still standing. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> you wouldn't have thought that listening to some of these uh, newscasts and, and meteorologists and the weather center, you would have thought Florida was going to be, and the governor, the governor, Rick Scott of, of uh, Florida was giving some dire warnings. Get out, get out, get out, get out. We're not going to be responsible if, if you should die. We're not going to come pick you up if you do not do that. You know, I mean, he was giving a dire warning like, you know, like, like Florida was going to be, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to belittle the situation or play down the, the damage. It was an astronaut astronomical damage done to Florida. There's no doubt about that. And it's going to take years and years and years, a few years to uh, to get everything back to normal. It really is. And a lot of people have lost a lot of things. They will not recover that uh, momentum that they will, personal things that they will not recover. They would just have to, you know, um, start from scratch again, which is good. It could be good starting from scratch again, but especially you're going to have to start from scratch again if you didn't have any kind of flood insurance. And I'm hearing that 80% of the people in Florida and some of those um, Florida Keys that were heavily, I'm hearing, and um, uh, probably will have to start uh, from the beginning, which which is you know, it's not that difficult. If, you, if you're if you talented, if you're bright, if you're smart, if you have a lot of ambition, get up and get up and go a lot of drive and you're healthy, there should be no uh, problem with you um, rebuilding from scratch. Um, but as I've said before, I'm not belittling the situation. It was the Hurricane Irma was destructive. It was awful. It was totally, totally history-making. But the thing is, is that we still have Florida. I mean, it's going to take some time to rebuild. 
but we still have Florida, you know, and, and the thing about this, uh, not many people died, if anybody. There was no death. I mean, there was no really uh, wide destruction. You know, you didn't see buildings toppling or crumbling to the ground. You, it, it, I just think, I just think that some of these meteorologists, the weather centers, I think they overplayed this a little. I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who were on the, <laughs> who a lot of people who heeded those warnings, and got in their cars and left and was on those crowded expressways and a lot of people uh, in some of these shelters uh, with thousands and thousands of people in shelters, they're probably saying, well, we should have stayed home. We should have stayed in our apartment. We should have stayed in our homes, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but seriously, but you never really know uh, what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. It was best that those folks did evacuate, did leave those homes, uh, their houses, apartments, condos, whatever, to safety. You never know. You, you never know. But uh, it was good for them to do that. But I'm pretty sure a lot of them are pissed off. We could have stayed home. We could have rode the storm out. We could have been in our own place. You know, I mean, because the, because the hurricane was not as forceful as uh, some of the meteorologists said it was going to be. Of course. Uh, the hurricane as it, you know, hit Florida in some cases after it got through devastating some of the keys, the key states, the keys, um, Key Largo and Key East, Key West, whatever, and and came up on the mainland, the hurricane had weakened. It was weak, you know, and that's why there wasn't that much damage, but I guess the forecasters didn't foresee that, you know. So, I'm not trying to belittle the storm in Florida. I think it was devastating. I think it was uh, a lot of damage incurred. But the state is still there. The state of Florida is still there. People can still rebuild. It's going to take years. It's going to take time. You got all the time in the world. You're healthy. You're strong. You know, and the government is there to help you out. So, you know, um, take advantage of that. And we're glad that Florida is still there. But still and all, they're saying that there's another hurricane behind Irma, you know. And uh, that's bad. That's bad. You know, and a lot of people did pray for Florida. And there's a lot of people out there is going to say that their prayers were answered, that, you know, Florida wasn't uh, wiped off the map, but there was widespread damage, you know, in some areas of the state. And but nothing catastrophic, no deaths, nothing like that. Like in Texas, there was there were people people died in texas okay so there's no doubt about it if you compared both these hurricanes both hurricanes uh, uh harvey and irma there's no doubt about it harvey was the most devastating of both hurricanes reason why is because people died in this harvey care um in, in with this harvey uh, hurricane in texas people died but hardly anybody died or no one died uh, in, with Irma. But they seem to have played Irma up more so than they, than they did Harvey. You know, so, but the damage is the damage. The damage is done. And um, someone, someone said that 
this is probably the reason why the storm wasn't that effective or, or didn't do much damage. Uh, someone was saying that obviously this is a wake up call for a lot of people um, to uh, start to prepare a lot sooner, a lot better for these kinds of uh, hurricanes and storms because they're living right on that, that coast there, that Atlantic Ocean. Um, coast and uh and the key and then you have the uh virgin islands you have the caribbean and these places are uh hotbed spots for hurricanes so if you're living along that along that area i mean there's no doubt about it you should be prepared and one of the, and one of the preparations should be flood insurance or damage insurance because you know um this is a hotbed. Those are hotbed places for hurricanes. And, um, you know, people should be, I, I kind of agree with her and uh, saying that people should be more uh, prepared. You know, and a lot of people are going to be moving away from Florida and from the Florida Keys. <laughs> and some people are going to probably be leaving the uh, Caribbean because of of these hurricanes, hurricanes that constantly crop up and do a lot of damage. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in, folks. It is a Monday, and we got a slew of guests. Obviously, we don't have a guest today. There's something went wrong, so we'll just have to figure that out. But anyway, the number is 347-857-1762. And California sues Donald Trump over DACA elimination. Yeah, if you know what DACA is, it, Trump is trying to deport eight, over 800,000 uh, illegal immigrants who were brought through no fault of their own by their parents, <laughs> you know? So, and a lot of this, I think there's about 14, 15 states that are suing him uh, for this on, on DACA to try to, uh, I, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I mean, if you, these kids were brought here, these children were brought here illegally by their parents they've grown up here they've worked here they've paid taxes they've gone to colleges they've gone and graduated from universities and and they're and they have made america their home they're committed to america they love america and now this guy wants to get them thrown out you know and their um states all over the united states are suing not well, 14 states, we put it that way. 14 states are suing him, and including California. Okay. Okay. California Attorney General Xavier Becerra, Democrat, announced Monday he is suing Donald Trump administration to block it from ending protections against deportations for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young undocumented immigrants. They, uh, you know, I, I think that it's wrong. I think that it's wrong. They was brought here. They don't even know anything about Mexico. They're from Mexico, but they were brought here. They, they know nothing about Mexico. And if they're deported, if they're deported, they're going back to a country where they have no life. They have no careers. They have nothing. What they've, um, you know, it's just wrong. What can I say? It's just wrong. They know nothing about Mexico. They know a lot about America. These people can speak English 
better than some Americans. Probably better than I can. Because <laughs> I'm screwing up. Okay. Um, okay, this guy is advocating that ending DACA, rescinding DACA, violates the Fifth Amendment due process clause due uh, to concern that the that the administration will use the personal information dreamers provide to apply for for the program to find and deport them or their family members. Of course, that's what Trump wants to do. He wants to deport everybody that doesn't look like him. You know, <laughs> he wants to deport everybody that doesn't look like him. He doesn't give a damn if they're dangerous or not. He just wants them out of the country. He's a mean old guy. What can I say? And he also argues that using that information would violate the legal principle of equitable estoppel, which essentially protects against a bait and switch. In this case, giving dreamers the reason to believe their personal information wouldn't be used against them and then doing so anyway. Of course, you can't believe this. You can't believe anything that's coming out of the Trump administration. You can't do that. It ain't going to happen. These guys are crooks, thugs. You got the godfather in the White House. Trump is the godfather. <laughs> he's, and he's uh, you know, keeping things in line. He wants loyalty. <laughs> he wants to be king. He wants to be emperor. But he's just the president of the United States. Oh, yeah, one other thing. These guys are trying to, Trump and his thugs, they are trying to uh, while we while we have our mind on a hurricane and tax reform and all this kind of stuff, uh, uh, Trump and his thugs are trying to suppress the vote. Of course, they don't want you to vote. They don't want me to vote. They don't want anybody to vote because they know that we're going to vote against them and get their asses out. So Trump and his minions are trying to come up with anything that they can to suppress the vote. And if he tries to do that, we're going to come up with lawsuits for their asses. We're going to sue them for trying to take away the right that people all over this country has fought for. And he's going to come up with uh, voter fraud and, and with no evidence. This is one of the things that the Trump administration do. They're always saying, saying crap with no evidence. No evidence whatsoever. He's trying to stop millions and millions of people from voting because they know that he knows that he's going to get his ass voted out. He knows he's going to get impeached if the if a Democratic Congress takes over. He's going to be out of there. He knows it. So now he's coming up with all kind of crap to try to take away your vote. To try to take away your vote, and that's wrong. That is totally wrong. And we all know it. Anybody who's anybody who knows uh, that he's coming up with some kind of commission, some kind of panel to look into voter fraud where there is no voter fraud, you know you can't believe Trump. Trump lies every time he opens his mouth. He's deceitful. He's dishonest. He's crazy. He's a loon. And he wants to keep his seat. He wants to keep being president. He knows if Democrats win the House uh, next year, 20, 2018, November, that he can be impeached. He will be impeached. He knows, he knows that. 
He knows people are pissed off at him, pissed off at the GOP because they are in his corner. People know that he's a racist. He's a white supremacist. And we got people in Congress who are the same thing. This is, this is why Trump is still sitting in the Oval Office. And you, ha- you can't take your eye off the ball because this is what Trump, the Trump administration is. They want you to take your eye off the ball. You take your eye off the ball, they're doing something deceitful behind your back. You cannot take your eye off Donald Trump. It's all about distraction with Donald Trump. He wants to distract you while they're cunning and they're cunning, they're conning and trying to slip something else through without you knowing about it. So we cannot take our eye off the ball. This is crazy. They are trying to suppress the vote. So as long as America knows that, we can say this is not going to happen. We're going to do something about it because we know that they are trying to do these Republicans. They are trying to suppress the vote. They are coming up with ways to get you, to get me uh, not to vote. And they're trying to do it legally. I don't think they can. They're trying to come up with, with, well, there's there's people, dead people voting. People voting twice. That's a lie. They know that America, Trump knows, and those Republican knows, they know that America is fed up with them all. America wants their asses out. They know it. And I've said this several times before in past shows, earlier shows, that they are going to try to suppress the vote, stop you from voting, stop me from voting, stop my kids from voting, stop your kids from voting. We can't have that. We want Donald Trump out of there. We want the Republicans out of there. We want to put America back on the tr- on the on track again. I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. We want to make America great again. Because Donald Trump doesn't know the meaning of greatness. He used that slogan to con his to con his way into the White House. And that's how he got the job. He conned his way. He lied his way. He bullshitted his way into the White House. That's that's how he got that's how he got there. He lost the popular vote by three million votes. That shows you right there that America did not want this man in the White House in the first place. He knows it. He knows it. So he's gonna he's coming up with some sort of commission some panel to look into voter fraud where there is no voter fraud stuff they making up and we all know it the media knows it i mean we everybody in america knows that this guy is coming up with trying to suppress the vote because he wants to stay king he wants to stay emperor he refuses to believe that he's a public servant he doesn't want to believe that even though the constitution tells him that 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 is what he is as president of the United States, a, pro- a public servant. He works for us, whether we voted for him or not. But he doesn't believe that. He doesn't sense that. He cringes when he hears that because he wants to be king. He wants to be emperor. He wants to dominate the entire world. 
Well, he's, it's not going to happen. Too many people don't like it. And I'm not just talking about the people in America. I'm talking about people around the world. And I'm talking about foreign leaders around the world. So um, <laughs> I'm looking at a photograph here, folks, and I'm, my mind has uh, uh, been deterred. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they're trying to suppress the vote. I mean, they are really trying to do this thing because they know that with Donald Trump's low poll numbers, I mean, he he's going to lose this thing. And he's just such an ass when he comes to trying to uh, respond and and um, talk about these these hurricanes. I mean, if you've seen some of the spots and some of the things he said, says it just make you cringe. Um, so they're trying to suppress the vote, you know, and I don't think it's going to work because I think 80 percent of the American people want this guy out of office. I mean, it, and, it, it, and it has nothing to do with being a Republican or a Democrat, because Donald Trump's foot is on the necks of both Republican, of both Republican and Democrat. So and de- and independence, actually anybody that doesn't agree with him and he doesn't give a damn if you're Republican or Democrat, he's going to do what he's going to do to hurt people, to lie, cheat, con. This is what Donald Trump is all about. And we just cannot, you know, let this guy take away our right to vote because that's what they're going to try and do. And it's just uh, wrong. It's totally wrong. But this when is- I first saw the tweet this morning, I was frankly disgusted. I thought to myself, this dude has got such a fixation with women and blood. What is wrong with him? And then you remember that this dude, this disgusting dude, is the president of the United States. And you realize just how much he is diminishing the presidency of the United States. You realize that what he is doing is not just acting for Donald Trump. He's acting for all of us. He's acting for our president. And he is embarrassing. He is shameful. He is disgusting. And I'll say this about Republicans. I'm really tired of hearing words like disappointed, like disturbed, like I'm bothered, like I wish he wouldn't do it. It's time that somebody looks at the camera and looks at him and calls him up and says, listen, you crazy lunatic 70-year-old man, baby, stop it. You are now the president of the United States, the commander in chief, and you need to stop acting like a mean girl because we just won't take it. We won't vote with you. We won't work with you. I can't, I can't start talking about tax reform. I can't st- start talking about health care reform because I can't get past the fact that we have a president who lacks the sufficient character. We have a president who is mean. We have a president who is nasty. We have a president who is immature, unstable, and just acts like a crazy person with anybody who attacks him because he's got thin skin and he is never going to pivot. And anybody around him, whether it's his daughter, his chief of staff, his wife, who I remind you had said her signature issue was going to be fighting against online bullying or any Republican on the Hill, stop enabling him. Confront this and confront this hard or it will never stop and it will embarrass all of us. It will take the presidency low, low, low. I suspect that.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away, but we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-violently. the fact that today is September 11th and that it has been 16 years since the horrible attack that happened just downtown from where we're sitting as well as DC and Pennsylvania yeah 16 years 16 years time really does fly really does fly and of course all weekend Hurricane Irma was everywhere. She hit Florida yesterday as a Category 4 hurricane and wreaked havoc, but has now been downgraded to a tropical storm. We want everybody uh, to do everything you can to stay safe. But the storm was the hot topic on television all weekend. Lots of reporters yeah. holding on, blowing, <laughs> blowing around, sideways. blowing this way, blowing that way. I mean, what did you think? When you're watching all these people, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I naturally had ABC wanted us to make sure we stressed that we took efforts to uh, make sure reporters were safe. I know a lot of them were tethered, they were which tethered, is reassuring. Yeah. They were tethered to the balconies. Yes. Things. And Amy Robach, who's a good friend of mine, <laughs> I did tethered. write her at one point because I knew she was covering it. And I said, Amy, I'm really freaked out right now watching this. She said, don't worry. We are being we are taking precautions and getting out of the way. But there was nothing else you could watch. And like. Yeah. I, I know it's important, but you have 24-hour news stations that, like, maybe could have taken a little news break to say, because news doesn't stop for national or yeah. natural disasters. They could have said, you know, yeah. like, FYI, this is what you're also missing, because it was, it was, it was, it was hard. I, I found it to be a little exploitive. Like, I, I understand um, that reporters need to tell us what's going on, but I don't know that you need to tell us what's going on with all the water and the, the, the wind and everything. And, the and, and, and it's like, they're, they're telling people not to go outside, but they're outside. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't understand. And well, then I, I saw one reporter say, um, you know, those of you who are affected by the storm, keep on watching us. I'm like, five million people lost power. They can't watch you so it's just the rest of the world watching and I, I just true. it felt well but ridiculous. It, it, it helps in a certain way because it tells the rush limbaugh's of the world this is real yeah, yeah well that's true <laughs> this is really happening so yeah, you yeah. Know, get out now that, that part yeah. he's saying oh it's nothing yeah. but really what bothered me is that people are saying like pruitt this uh, the epa head of mm. the epa is saying this is not the time to discuss global warming well mm. you know when is the time when the water's over your head when is the time exactly Exactly. Yeah. This is the time to discuss it because scientifically, from what I understand, I'm not a scientist, I, I don't even play one on TV, but I understand <laughs> that the heat is creating warm waters in the oceans, in the Gulf, wherever, and that is co uh, co uh, contributing to the intensity of uh, storms 
like Irma, why this is the worst storm we've ever seen, etc., has to do with uh, climate change. And people yeah. who deny that, they should start naming all of these next hurricanes after Hurricane Limbaugh, yeah. Hurricane <laughs> Pruitt, yeah. Hurricane Palin, you know, Hurricane Trump. Why people say it's not the time to talk about it because it, right. you know, like when there's a mass shooting, people say that's not the time to talk about gun control. I think it is the time to talk about it because right. that's when it's on your mind. And I saw Al Gore's um, newest movie. I think it's in the Inconsequential Truth. Yeah. It makes the case that there is a tie between what we've been doing to our environment yeah. and these superstorms. I, I hope people go out and, and, and look at it because it's been his life's work, and I believe him. I think I people believe say with the, with the mass shootings, I know I'm always one of the people on Twitter that says give it a minute, yes, and I are. think the reason is that when people are losing their lives, I always remember first and foremost before the news or before the story, or I remember there's someone, it's someone's mother, it's someone's daughter, it's someone's brother, and I just feel like there's a sacred time. That's not to say you can't 24 hours later have that debate and link back to what happened and make your argument but I just I just personally believe in a 24-hour period where when people's lives are being lost you got to give it a minute well, that's just me. pockets when in there because sometimes we've seen reporters talk at memorials or like right. at funeral mm -hmm. those are not the times yeah, so I right. think there's something between Sonny and Jed that I agree with yeah. you don't want it to pass too far though because you need people you need to pull on people's heartstrings when it's an issue like this because politics are personal mm -hmm. and in those mm -hmm. moments that's the time to say I'm scared watching this and I have no yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not affected directly by this but I want to know how we're gonna avoid this yeah. and, and that going forward and, and, I, I misquoted uh, that the name of, of the of his movie it's an inconvenient sequel people no, really, really need to take a look one thing I'll also say about these reporters that always fascinates me is people forget there's so much pressure on them. This one reporter, Haley Minogue, a reporter for a CBS affiliate, said, somewhere it's been ingrained in our minds that there's a million people that would love to have your job, so yeah, if you won't do it, someone else yeah. will. A million you know? people kill for right. Well, it's true, yeah. though, and, and there's always someone that's going to tell the story. So I have a lot of respect for the people, whether it's you know a natural disaster or whether it's a terrorist attack or whether it's the scene of a crime where you have suspects are on the run. There have to be people that are willing to go in there and on the ground tell you what's happening and it's dangerous well, and it's scary but people like if i see well, rob how marciano about, how about stop that's watching. one thing how about give yourself a break right well, you know you're part of it right part of the reason is you know we're is you're consuming it right. and it's, if it's on every you know god knows we have a lot of choices on what networks you can go to there are a zillion yeah. of them so give yourself a break yeah but see we're so addicted to information like this that you couldn't tear yourself away and go you know what let me go watch the archie's cartoon yeah, yeah that's, that's old i know Netflix. but it's the whole thing. <laughs> but, I, but you know what i mean again i yeah. I, I, I understand a meteorologist doing it like if i see rob marciano or sam champion yeah. But I don't Ginger know, Z, yeah. Ginger Z, but like, why should I be out there covering? You notice I mean, Trump there's no legal angle. We shouldn't be out there. We should not be covering that. No. You notice that Donald Trump wasn't out there. <laughs> Here's something that also you probably don't want to do, as this turns out, this was a joke, but it was called Firing Guns at Storms. It didn't stop over 50,000 people from saying they would attend a posted 
event on Facebook called Shoot at Hurricane Irma. It gained so much attention. Now, again, it was done as a joke, but it gained so much attention that a Florida sheriff's office tweeted a warning not to show up. But I believe 80,000 people signed up. For something that was meant to be, a, you know, a joke. No, I mean, and you want to say, okay, so where did you think you were going to come out to? Where did you think you were going to walk to and shoot the gun? It's 190,000 mile an hour wind. Don't you think shoot the gun would be dangerous? Because maybe the bullet's going to go, hey, you know? It's just kind of crazy. Yeah. But, but they, folks signed up for people. it. A lot of crazies. They're <laughs> All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. That was a little bit of, uh, I like that laugh. I, I'm crazy about that laugh. That's why I keep it around. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is live on the air right now. <laughs> hate has no home here, folks. I mean, if you got hate in your view, uh, you can uh, listen to someone else or whatever you want to do, but not here. Each of us have two hands, one for helping ourselves and another for helping each other. Hate has no home here, folks, believe me. And I wanted to talk about how Americans are just reaching out to other Americans. I mean, uh, we're volunteering, we're helping in every single aspect as we can to those who have been devastated uh, by this uh, by these hurricanes and storms and winds and heavy rains. Uh, people are just pouring. There are, people are traveling from one state to the next state, um, helping others. That's what, that's what it's all about. It's helping people, helping other people. And you feel good about your efforts because you know other people are going to appreciate the appreciative 
to what you're doing, giving your time. It's not always about um, money. It could be about, you know, uh, some effort, some time, you know, a smile, helping, uh, giving a smile to someone who may have lost everything uh, that they had owned uh, because of these uh, devastating consequences. And that's a great thing to see. And I've said this before. A lot of politicians have already started to po- politicize this. You're a helping hand. You're uh, uh, you giving of yourself, your heart, your money. And you've got politicians already trying to take credit for this, take credit for how other people are helping other people. I mean, this would happen. People would help other people. People have been helping other people since the beginning of time. And we're going to continue to do that. But in this climate in the United States, they try to politicize it as if it's uh, uh, their idea. You know, if they thought of it, if they're telling you to um, uh, to do these things, nobody has to tell me to go out and help anybody. If I see somebody in need, somebody struggling, somebody's doing, I'm going to go help them. I don't need some politician to try to say, hey, go help that guy. Because I know that politician that's telling me to go help that guy, it's all about votes. It's all about being political. I'm going to help this guy regardless of this crazy politician who's trying to say that they're responsible for Americans uh, pouring out their hearts, their wallets, their efforts, their prayers to people in need. And it's just sad that they try to politicize this. You're going to have the Republicans do it. The Democrats are going to do it. And I've seen a few do it already. I said, well, what is this thing about it? A lot of these politicians who try to commandeer uh, 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 the effort that the uh, American people are making towards helping other people with these storms, they are really, um, I think, doing themselves a disservice. You know, they, they. Uh, let me put it this way: a lot of these politicians who are now trying to politicize this, saying that it's 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 them because it, it has something to do with them is the reason why we're helping each other. That's a lie. They want you to think that, so they can they're politicizing it. And a lot of these politicians who are doing these things. They have not stepped one foot in Texas or one foot in Miami to help. Where was Barack Obama? I mean, uh, and Michelle and his two daughters. Why weren't they in? Um, why weren't they in uh, Texas after after Harvey hit? Why weren't they in in? Um, Miami, helping with the recovery efforts, helping people into shelters, helping people. Um, why? Where was George Bush? Where was his family? They were nowhere, nowhere in either one of these states helping out. But yet they're going to try and politicize this as if it's them telling us to help each other. We don't need them to help each other. They're not even e- even putting in any effort. Where was George Bush? Where was Barack Obama? Where was Jimmy Carter? Where were all of these people 
Where was Hillary Clinton? You didn't see her um, sloshing around in Texas trying to save people or, or uplift people. You didn't see uh, Hillary Clinton in Miami trying to help or giving out food or bottled water. You didn't see any of these politicians. But yet, they're out there saying, America, get out there and help people. Get out there and help. Where the hell were you? Where the hell are you? Where in the hell is Chelsea? How come she isn't in uh, uh, Texas or, or uh, Miami giving a hand, giving out food, bottled water, helping people uh, in shelters, feeding people in shelters, uh, applying beds and all this kind of thing, tents or whatever? Where, where are these people at? But yet they can sit back and say, try to take credit for what you and I are doing, and they're doing nothing. The only thing that they've got on us is that they're high-profiled and famous people. That's it. Where, where are they? And I could say that about a lot of people. Movie stars. Where are the, the movie stars? Where are the um, people who are supposed, uh, supposed to care so much about people? A lot of famous people were not in Texas. They were not in Miami helping out, you know? I guess they felt they were too famous, too rich, too cute, too beautiful, or whatever, to be around something like that. But yet they can politicize it big time, as if it's them that's causing you to pour your heart out to help other people, and that's bull. All right, you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. Show at 645, folks, (laughs) in the city of Chicago. Daylight savings time is coming on really hard. It's getting, we're losing daylight quicker than anything. Of course, summer is just about over. Fall is just around the corner. So uh, in those states who do recognize uh, daylight savings time, it is (laughs) getting dark faster. I hear in Chicago, usually, uh, in the dead of winter, it's, um, I mean, it gets dark at four o'clock, if not around three, between three thirty and four o'clock. So, you know, uh, summertime, it gets dark around seven thirty, eight o'clock or something like that. Eight thirty sometimes, but, um, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. And I, I, I love it when days are longer, you know, but, uh, winter's coming and it's coming hard and, uh, hopefully we we'll, we won't, we will not have any tornadoes and, uh, hard rains uh, uh, equivalent to what has taken place in Texas and and uh, Miami, Florida, uh, in general. But um, this should be a wake-up call for those climate deniers. Climate change, global warming, this should be a heads-up for that for those people, mainly Republicans who don't believe in science, thinks they think science is a gobbledygook or a big hoax. It's not. It's not. But I don't think you can actually, I don't think a lot of uh, uh, Republicans are going to even start believing in science, uh, climate change, or global warming, even after they've seen so much evidence of it. They're just uh, stuck on stupid. What can I say? But it's real. It is real. I mean, you take Rush Limbaugh, 
the the blowhard uh, conservative right wing radio host. He's been hosting that show for 20, 30 years maybe, and um, he was saying that all <laughs> he was saying every he was saying leading up to leading up to. Uh, Irma, Hurricane Irma, that it was a hoax, it was a myth, it was something Democrats and liberals uh, put together. Uh, uh, It's it's something that we uh, conjured up and tried to put on conservatives. But he, he, for for an entire week, Rush Limbaugh was saying that it was a hoax, was nothing to it. He didn't believe it. But yet, after a while, (laughs) he got his ass up and he evacuated along with the rest of them. You just really can't believe a lot of these people. I mean, they just blow hard. They spit out, say dumb, stupid things. They, they just throw up and puke up any kind of uh, rhetoric and expect you to believe it and go along with it. I mean, Russell Limbaugh, he's a multimillionaire, if he's not a billionaire, uh, made his money by just talking BS on the radio. That's it. That's how he got where he is, talking BS. Most of that stuff is just total garbage that he that comes out of his mouth. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the next hurricane, I'm hearing there is one right behind Harvey, will not be as devastating as, uh, not right behind Harvey, but excuse me, right behind Irma. And I'm hearing that that was it's not as powerful, but, you know, it can always build up in strength as it moves on down the coast. Something that affect. But anyway, the weathermen, I think I think some of the weather people were just wrong. Uh, I think some of them were just wrong. (laughs) Uh, Someone says that, George, all they do is guess. I think they guess they guess what's going on. I think that they actually predict what's going on, going on. They predict it. But you look, watch some of these people, some of these meteorologists, as they call themselves now, which I think is, is um, too sophisticated because a lot of these people should be called what they are, weather men, weather women. Um, I, I think they were just wrong, but they can't admit it. They, you'll never catch them admitting that they were wrong about this hurricane Irma. I mean, because they were talking about as if Florida was going to be wiped the hell off the face of the earth. Even the governor, Rick Scott. I mean, get out now. You must get out. You have to leave. We're not going to be responsible if you don't leave. I'm saying, oh, I guess it's going to be wiped off the face of the earth. And it wasn't. Hurricane Irma was not as devastating as Hurricane um, Harvey in Texas, where people actually died. I, I think it was 35, 36 people actually, actually died in Texas, whereas not one person died in Miami, Florida. I think it's some people who lost their lives along the uh, Caribbean Virgin Islands, but I don't think it was that many. So if you compared all these hurricanes together, I mean, totally, totally, there's no doubt about it. Harvey was the most deadliest. The most deadliest. 
And these guys were wrong. They weren't all that wrong, but they were wrong enough, you know. And uh, I'm, they have all this sophisticated equipment. I mean, when you listen to the weather reports, you want them to be factual. You want them to be accurate. You want them to be on the money. And a lot of them, you know, uh, they have all this sophisticated equipment, you, uh, all of this modern uh, technology, and they all act as if they're not predicting the weather. They all act as if they're not guessing. They all act as if they know what's going to happen. They know what's going to happen. But they don't. It's a guess. It's a prediction. I think no I think no weather person, meteorologist, whatever they want to call them, should act as if they know exactly what's going to happen because they don't. A lot of people listen to weather reports because, you know, they work out in the elements. They work out in uh in the air, in the atmosphere. They work out in the cold, the rain. And they need to know weather reports to get to work, to travel. And there's no doubt about it. I, these guys and girls, get they get it wrong. Uh, one anchor man said that the United States is the, <laughs> is the only country in the world that can't get its weather reports right. And this was years ago. <laughs> And uh, it still uh, is um, true today. Um, all right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. It is 6.53. We have no guests today, folks. It was something. There was a mix-up in the scheduling, but we're going to get that straight for later on in the week. Okay. Thursday. All right. Later on in the week, we're going to have that for you. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. Trump has promised a news conference Wednesday. I'll believe it when I see it. He has every reason to cancel it or simply ignore his promise. The trick worked with the... I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. He is now almost certainly, almost unavoidably, the soon-to-be future ex-president of the United States. That first draft of the James Comey firing letter, that story that got suitably buried by the hurricane and DACA and North Korea, that first draft should be the end. It may take two years to get there or two hours, but it is the end. The original draft of the Comey letter that Trump and Stephen Miller reportedly wrote, four pages reportedly full of anger over Russia and details of Trump's many meetings with Comey, means that the firing is no longer just likely obstruction of justice, it is likely premeditated obstruction of justice with a paper trail. And special counsel Robert Mueller has a copy. But wait, there's more. It's actually worse even than that. It's essentially premeditated obstruction of justice in the White House, in the Oval Office, by the president to stop an investigation of the president's campaign and his transition team and his administration and ultimately himself. And there was apparently a warning to the president by the White House counsel not to do it because the word reportedly used was, it's problematic. The White House counsel, Mr. McGahn, seems to have warned the president not to send the letter, not to fire the FBI director, not to do it. 
And he reportedly also took a copy of the letter and marked it up and gave it back to Stephen Miller with, quote, several sections that he believed needed to be removed. And for all we know, he may as well have used the phrase obstruction of justice. And then the president fired Comey anyway. And all of a sudden, there were different reasons for firing him. And all of a sudden, there was this other letter written by the deputy attorney general, which seems to have been rushed into existence to cover up the real reason he fired the FBI director anyway. And there's a paper trail. And Robert Mueller has the original letter. And there are witnesses. Because Trump reportedly read or described the letter in the White House, in the Oval Office, on the 8th of May, to the White House counsel, Don McGahn, to the vice president, to the senior advisor, Hope Hicks, to Jared Kushner, and to the fired chief of staff, Reince Priebus, and they are all screwed too. Unless, that is, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal are all not merely wrong, but have all fabricated a story, the same story. Trump is guilty of obstruction of justice, and in writing that letter, Trump has, in essence, already confessed to it. He is now almost certainly, almost unavoidably, the soon-to-be future ex-president of the United States. The main problem for Trump is that all these people who reportedly saw or heard about that letter that day, the vice president and the White House counsel included among them, could now be subject to being questioned in front of the grand jury. If White House counsel McGahn is asked, Did you tell the president he had to change that letter because firing Comey for those reasons would be a crime? And McGahn says, yes, then Trump is in desperate trouble. As the long-term former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotta put it on Twitter, if Trump did it anyway, that would be slam-dunk evidence of a corrupt intent. And McGahn can't refuse to testify, and Trump cannot keep him from testifying by claiming executive privilege or attorney-client privilege, because nearly 20 years ago, another special counsel got a court to rule that government attorneys can't avoid grand jury questions about government officials having potentially committed criminal acts. The special counsel who got that established was Ken Starr, and the loser in that case was Bill Clinton. As the former prosecutor, Mariotti, also noted, if the White House counsel says, I didn't tell him it was illegal, I didn't think it was illegal, I just didn't like the tone of the letter, Trump could actually be in the clear here unless unless any of the other people in the room contradict him when they testify to the grand jury without knowing how anybody else in the room testified themselves to the grand jury. Or unless they produce that marked-up copy of the letter McGahn gave back to Stephen Miller, telling him he had to take out these paragraphs and those paragraphs, and those paragraphs aren't about tone, but they're about Russia. In the worst-case scenario, the president and his senior advisor, Miller, started a plan to illegally dismiss the FBI director, and they left a paper trail. Then the White House counsel learned of this plan, tried to stop it, left his own paper trail, and may have to wind up testifying against the president. Because then somebody decided to start another conspiracy with the deputy attorney general to come up with an excuse letter with which to dismiss the FBI director anyway. So the acting deputy attorney general is in it too, and just for good measure, they ran it past Hope Hicks, Stephen Miller, Jared Kushner, Rance Priebus, everybody else they could find, and all of them got conspiracy stains all over them. And of course, they also did that to the vice president. As a right-wing commentator for the Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin noted, Attention will soon focus on the vice president. What did he hear? 
Did he know the proffered reason for the termination was phony? And if so, did he knowingly mislead Congress and the American people when he advanced the cover story? Mr. Pence, who seems to have skated away just before the ice cracked under General Mike Flynn, could for the first time be in a world of hurt of his own here. He could easily be a grand jury witness testifying against the president's White House counsel or the president's son-in-law or the president. It is entirely plausible that Pence's only way out of this mess that Trump created with the first draft of the Comey letter could easily become turning on Trump. And that's if he had no idea that the White House counsel was furiously trying to stuff the toothpaste back into Trump's tube. And, oh, by the way, another little detail that kind of got lost in the more obvious, more hateful stories about Trump and the hurricane and Trump and North Korea and Trump and DACA is that Trump's security guy of nearly two decades, his permanent body man, his advisor, his gatekeeper, an ex-New York cop named Keith Schiller, up and quit over the weekend, supposedly because he missed the money and his old lifestyle, an old lifestyle which has involved Trump and more money, and his old lifestyle which has involved Trump and more money and Trump and more money, every day since 1999. So I don't know how leaving Trump gets him back to his old Trump lifestyle. But you know who delivered the letter to Comey's office when Trump fired him, right? The same guy, Keith Schiller. But it's just a coincidence. Like it was a coincidence that just before all this broke, Trump's lawyers went to Mueller's office and slimed Comey as an unreliable witness and explained why Trump wasn't guilty of obstruction of justice. Like it was a coincidence that out of the blue last Friday, Trump suddenly slimed Comey and talked about a rigged system on Twitter after months of ignoring both topics. Like it was a coincidence that the president reportedly wrote a furious long letter telling the FBI director he was firing him for apparently not publicly clearing him about Russia. Then coincidentally, the White House counsel saw it. And the next thing you knew, there was a really short coincidental firing letter. And presto, there was also another coincidence, a letter from the attorney general deputy about how bad an FBI director, the FBI director was. Oh, and the vice president being in the middle of this, also a coincidence. As the punchline to a joke that's at least 30 years old goes, coincidence? I think not. Two years or two hours, I don't know anymore, but he is the soon-to-be future ex-president of the United States. And I wouldn't need long odds to bet against Mike Pence as well. Resist. Yeah, Mike Pence, that asshole. Peace. And look, I don't know if my book is out before he is out, but it's called Trump is Effing Crazy, and it'll be available by October 17th, and you can pre-order it now. (laughs) Or don't, and just wait for your subpoena. All right. All right, that was uh, Keith Olbermann. Thanks, Keith Olbermann, as always. All righty, we're going to take a different um, turn this time. I usually don't discuss movies on the show. Uh, at least not at this extent, but because one of the things I do know that the box office is not as viable as it used to be. But anyway, um, Stephen King, Stephen King's his latest remake of It, It was a smash at the box office. I I I, I suppose this uh, uh, gave uh, Hollywood <laughs> a little breather. Because uh, lately it's been kind of stagnant, but uh, with the release of it, I think it made uh, in its first weekend. I believe it made 117 million dollars. 
in the United States. I'm not talking about abroad yet, but uh, in the United States. Okay, it, 38, 34 fall movies to obsess over. All right, it is this, this horror movie based on Stephen King's book of the same name it has been at the top of our most seed list for a long time, starring Bill Sargard. It will finally hit theaters. Oh, yeah, it's in theaters already. I'm reading this a little bit late, but uh, uh, let's just move on to Mother, September 15th, starring, um, looks like Jennifer Lawrence, Mother. I don't know if I want to see that. What else is there? Um, First Day Killed My Father. That sounds interesting. Angelina Jolie directs this film based on a memoir of the same name. Wow. Angelina Jolie has done a lot of directing. But, you know, it's not her directing that is that is prominent in my view. It is her movies. I like to I like to see her in movies, but she's directing and so far I don't think she really had a, any breakout hit. But anyway, she's got this movie coming out September 15th. They first they killed my father. It sounds like a flop to me, folks. You know, I'm I'm just going to tell you. I I'm just telling you what I know. Angelina Jolie, she's directing this movie called First They Killed My Father, and it'll be on September 15th. It sounds like a flop to me. I'm not saying don't go see this movie. That's up to you, but I know I will not be going to see this movie. And if it winds up ends up being any good, I'll probably wait for it on, on DVD. Okay, the next one is I'm going through the 34 movies that should be seen this fall. Let's see what else they have. Okay, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. I saw previews of this. Okay, the, the that was a first Kingsman. I didn't see it. And uh, I saw the previews of this, uh, the trailer. It's, I don't know why I'm saying previews, but it's a trailer. And I, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. So I wasn't impressed. I, I wasn't impressed. Put it that way. The next one is, oh, wow. Victoria and Abdul. This stars one of my favorite, favorite actresses, Judy Dench. I'm so happy that she moved along from James Bond because they actually fired her. They killed her off in James Bond, and she was pissed off about it. But she's been making movies silly, uh, Judy Dench, uh, since being dumped uh, from James Bond. And uh, she's a great actress. I mean, she's made a, uh, a hundreds of movies, and she's a great actress. She's been acting since she was probably a, a, a teenager or a girl. And she's in her 80s now. And she's saying that her hearing is failing. She's saying, she said that when she does a movie, she has her lines read to her because she really can't hear. You know, she she really can't hear. I mean, there's hearing aids out there. There's a thousand of them. So I'm pretty sure she can probably find a hearing aid someplace. But she's in her 80s, and she has problems with her hearing. And uh, her lines have to be fed to her. And uh, I guess she's easily forgettable, forget her lines, because she's about 85. Judy Dench, one of my greatest, one, one of the greatest actors, I think, uh, for the 21st century and the 20th century. So, um She's got a new movie out called Victoria and Abdul. 
it doesn't look that impressive, but you know. All right, the next one is the Battle of the Sexes. I I just got through seeing a um, uh, trailer or a clip of this movie. Emma Stone and Steve Carell starring in a movie about the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. It's been about seven or eight movies made about this. Why would we want to see that? I mean, why would we want to see this movie? You know, I mean... I haven't seen it. I don't know what it's about, but I did see the uh, trailer, and I think Steve Carell, I think he's miscast. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Battle of the Sexes. I don't I don't see why anybody would want to see that, but I'm not saying do not go see it. I'm just saying I won't go see it. I, okay. Next movie, American Made. I think this is in the theater now. No, it's not. It's going to be in the theater September 29th. American Made, starring Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise, I mean, this guy just puking out these movies like they're nothing. I mean, his previous movies were, was um, The Mummy. Then there, I think there was Jack Reacher, the second Jack Reacher, and he's no Jack Reacher. Uh, Tom Cruise in another action movie, Sign Up, Sign Us Up. In this one, he plays a CIA agent intertwined in birth of the Reagan's era metal and drug cartel. Okay, he plays a a drug cartel, part of a drug cartel. I like Tom Cruise. I have I have several of his movies, and um, I do like him. I mean, especially the Mission Impossible movies. I think they're super. Um, but he works. He works a lot. He, I mean, every time you look around, there's a movie coming out with Tom Cruise. He's a good actor. He's a very good actor. All right, let's move right along. Okay, Blade Runner 2049. It opens October 6, 1982's Blade Runner underperformed when it first opened, but it was since, but it's since become a cult hit. Okay, this is a remake with Ryan Gosling. I was never too much of a Ryan Gosling fan, but I haven't seen the trailer of this, but I I just have a feeling that it's not going to make it. And I don't want to be a naysayer or a downer in some of these movies, but, you know, we'll just have to see. Harrison Ford is also in it, the star of the... He, Harrison Ford is also in this new Blade Runner, uh, he was also the star of the original one, you know. So, but he, I'm, I'm assuming he will not have. I'm assuming, I'm assuming he will not be uh, the lead character. That Ryan Gosling will be the lead character. Blade Runner opening, uh, Blade Runner 2049, opening October 6. We'll just see what that's about. Uh, Florida Project. Okay, this movie is Project. Florida just Florida just flooded, and and they're making a movie about Florida. Okay, um, follows a six-year-old Mooney as she lives in a motel in Florida with her rebellious mother, which looks like um, let's see. Okay, this 
Can's favorite. Okay, this is Can's favorite. Follow six-year-old Moni. I guess that's one of the um, that's the little girl in the movie, as she lives in a motel. I mean, what makes that so interesting? Living in a motel, making a movie about a little girl living in a motel. Why is that so interesting? I don't know, folks. It's called the Florida Project, and it opens October sixth. Let's go move on to the next one. This one is Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Goodbye, Christopher Robin opens October 13 with uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie and Danchelle Gleason in a biographical account. Okay, all righty. I don't know anything about this. I can barely pronounce their names. Uh, Robin, who's whose toys inspired mine to write the book, which became known as the Winnie and the Pooh story. Oh, Winnie and the Pooh. So this is what this is about. This is about, this is a sort of uh, biographical account of people, how they came up with Winnie the Pooh. That should be interesting. I won't see it. Okay, let's go to the next one. Happy Death Day. Okay, this opens, it looks like a horror movie. Happy Death Day. It opens October 13th. Simply put, this movie just looks epic. A horror in La Groundhog Day where a girl is stuck in a time loop and must find her killer who tries to murder her every single day. Hmm, sounds like Bill Murray, Groundhog Day. It does. It does. Who knows? You know, sometimes uh, the title of a movie may not be, may not be, may, may not represent what the movie is actually about. So I think it's a bad title, but Happy Death Day. You know, the Hollywood is just, I don't know, it seems like garbage to me, but anyway, let's go. The next movie, The Snowman. Michael Fassbender plays Detective Harry Hole in this thriller about a serial killer who murders women. It also stars Charlotte Gainsbourg and J.K. Simmons. Hmm. J.K. Simmons, he's from um, the Spider-Man movies. It's with Tobey Maguire, he plays uh, Mr. Jameson. You know? So he, he's not one of my favorite actors, but he's okay. Michael Fassbender, I have him in... Uh, a movie. I purchased a movie on DVD, one of his uh, earlier movies called Assassin's Creed. I purchased that movie. He stars in that movie and it's awful. It's a terrible movie. Okay, he's going to be starring in The the Snowman uh, uh, October 20th. Michael Michael Fassbender plays a detective Harry Hole in his thriller about a serial killer who murders women. Now how many, now how many times if you read a premise like that now why is this so interesting because a serial killer murders women give me a break there's a ton of books out there a ton of movies with the same premise i wonder what makes this so so different so interesting so different uh, and and why should we pay our money to see a guy who murders women wow Anyway, it's called The Snowman. It's open October 20th in the United States. All right, the next movie is Wonderstruck. 
October 20th. It also opens October 20th. Okay, stories about different children set 50 years apart has been highly anticipating among the film buffs. People have been waiting for this movie. It's called Wonderstruck. I don't see... Uh, I may sound like a downer or a naysayer to some most of these movies. It's because the way they're describing the movie... And the way that I'm 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 reading the uh, uh, the way I'm reading what the movie is about is just not resonating with me. There's nothing so far that is resonating me, with me about any of these movies. Most of them, anyway. Okay, this is just intertwining stories about different children. I mean, how in the hell? Why would I spend ten, fifteen dollars to go see a movie? about different children set 50 years apart. I don't know. It might be a good movie. I'm just saying I haven't seen it yet. So I'm just saying what I'm, what they're saying about the movie doesn't really move me. They're, I know people out there, well, George, you haven't seen the movie. Why, how, how can you criticize it? I'm not criticizing the movie. I'm criticizing what they're trying to tell me about the movie before I get to see it. And I don't too much uh, get it. I don't too much understand some of the premises of some of these movies that, that, that they want you to go out and see. All right, the next movie is, okay, it's a George Clooney movie, Suburb, Suburbcon. Okay, it's a George, George Clooney directed this upcoming crime comedy, which Matt Damon, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, and Julianne Moore star. Oh, okay. We're looking at Matt Damon right now. He done put on 100 pounds for this movie. And uh, it looks like it's something from the... It looks like it's a dated kind of a movie uh, from the 50s. They've, they've, you know, this is a 50 type of a movie. You can tell, by the way, Matt Damon is dressed. He's gained weight or he's wearing a fat suit or something. But anyway... um, it doesn't say what the movie is about. It's, I guess maybe about a family who lives in the suburbs. You know, I mean, how interesting is that? It doesn't seem like it's much any, either, but it, it it just seems like a bunch of box office flops to me. Okay. Professor Marston and Wonder Woman. Wow. This is not, I'm not talking about the... Uh, comic book hero. This is something else. Okay, it's a true story about the life of William Malton Marston, who created Wonder Woman. Oh, it's a story about the guy who created Wonder Woman. The the the, the superhero that we see in the movies and on television. You know, and she's coming out the she's coming out with the another Wonder Woman too. Um so this this should be interesting. We should go see a movie about the guy who um, created Wonder Woman. Doesn't that sound exciting? Wow, no wonder I stay home. Okay, the next movie is, okay, it's Thor. Thor, Thor 3. Okay, Marvel and Chris Hemsworth, enough said. I, I like the Thor movies. And guess what? Tom Huddleston is back. I think he should be back because he is the most exciting character uh, 
in the Marvel universe, I think. Okay, I'm looking at a photograph with the Hulk, Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. It should be a good movie. Uh, I, I like Thor. I like um, Tom Hiddleston. I think these are great actors. Okay. Okay, so there's one I like, folks. Okay. All right. Next is Bad Mom's Christmas. Yeah, that's opening November 3rd, Bad Mom's Christmas. Oh, wow. I'm just going to skip that. Okay, we've got uh, Johnny Depp. He's He's got another movie, Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, Johnny Depp, Judy Dench, Disney Wrigley, Josh Gad, and Michelle Pfeiffer round out round out the stars in the remake based on the Attica Christie novel. Yeah, well, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Jeff just, he's just off of Pirates of the Caribbean, okay? Which was a big hit, even though a lot of people didn't like the movie. All right, Johnny. All right, Wonder Woman. Okay, in the Justice League. Uh, just like uh, we have the Avengers, now we have the Justice League, okay? After the success of Wonder Woman, we can hardly wait to see Gal Gadot ass alongside Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher. Okay, this should be a good one. This should be a great one. You know, I think it's, I think this is going to be a hit because I... I I'm a fan of these movies. I mean, I really, I mean, if I'm going to pay my money to go to a movie, it better be a damn good movie. And this sounds like it is a damn good movie. Okay, the next one, and it opens November 17th. Wonder, a movie called Just Wonder, Wonder. Okay, opening November 17th also, Wonder. The only thing I see here is a kid. Drinking a carton of milk. That should be interesting. Okay, November 22nd, Molly's Game. Okay, Jessica Castain stars as Molly Bloom in Aaron Sulkin's directorial debut. Bloom was a former skier who found herself running the world's biggest underground poker game at a young age. Bloom catered to Hollywood, to the Hollywood elite which included hordes of famous actors and directors, as well as mobsters and business moguls. I guess that's enough to get you to pay $15 to watch Molly's Game on November 27. Move on. Death Wish. Oh, man, this is a, a starring Bruce Willis. I've seen a trailer to this. I mean, he's no Charles Bronson. Okay, he is no Charles Bronson, you know. And uh, I just think he's miscast. I think that there should have been someone else uh, to play the part. I'm not going to go see it. Uh, if I do see it, and if it's any good, I'll probably wait for the DVD. Because I'm still thinking that there's nobody who can play Paul Kersey better than the late, great uh, Charles Bronson. And Bruce Lee taking the part, not Bruce Lee, but Bruce Willis taking the part. I feel that Bruce Willis is too old for the part. It should have chose a younger man. Maybe Jason Statham. You know, I can see Jason Statham in the part, but I cannot see 
Bruce Willis in the part, playing the part of Charles Bronson's Death Wish. All it's about is killing killing bad guys who deserve to be killed, taking the law into his own hands. Something similar to my own heart. Okay, let's move on. Death Wish, opening November 22nd with Bruce Willis. All right, Coco. Let's skip that one. The Current War. Okay, opening November 24th, starring... Okay. Oh, my goodness. This is um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay, Michael Shannon. It's called The Current Way. The Current Way. Wow, what a title. Opening November 24th. Uh, Call Me By My Name. Okay, that's opening November 24th also. Call Me By My Name. It looks like something gay. Okay, The Disaster Artist uh, with James Franco. I think I've seen the trailer for that. I didn't like it. Next, Wonder Wheel. Okay, Wonder Wheel. Woody Allen is back with Wonder Wheel, which stars Justin Timberlake, Kate Winslet, and others. It is set in the late 1950s. Another movie set in the late 1950s, like the one I just got through talking about with um, Matt Damon, directed by George Clooney, Suburban or something. Anyway, why don't they just leave the 50s alone, okay? All right. Uh, Next one is The Shape of Water, opening December 8th. December 8th. All right, you've been listening to The George Wilder Jr. Show as I go off on... Movie. Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody.
I tried this and it didn't work. We'll see.